Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg ad-free and right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. This is the Ion Travel Podcast with CBS News Travel Editor Peter Greenberg. Hi there, everybody. Peter Greenberg here with another edition of the Ion Travel Podcast. This week, in honor of St. Patrick's Day, an all-Ireland conversation. I'll speak with Patrick Roycroft from the National Museum of Ireland as we discuss his painstaking genealogical research to try to discover if someone named Greenberg, that's right, me, has Irish roots. It's a fascinating journey with a few surprises. Then I'll speak to the people I met during the making of our new one-hour global television special, Hidden Ireland, on PBS, Amazon Prime, and Apple TV+. Folks like Aer Lingus pilot Shea Party, who took me on a very low-altitude run over one of the last remaining intact castles in Ireland, Trim Castle. Then we'll get down to sea level with Eugene Garrahy, and a very different way to experience the Cliffs of Moher. And finally, in honor of St. Patrick's Day, we honor the Paddies, that's right, with Roscoe O'Callaghan and his fascinating exhibit in New York that goes beyond the stereotype of the Paddy as just being another Irish drunk. First up, Patrick Roycroft. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Okay, it's time to commit. 
2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Patrick Roycroft, welcome back. Thank you, Peter. It's a pleasure to see you again. And when I first met you, of course, you were doing all the genealogical research. Now you're involved also in geology, which we'll get to in a second. But when you and I first met, you know, people said, why don't you see if you have any Irish roots, Peter? And I said, uh-huh. Greenberg, Irish roots, are you kidding me? So we started looking. You started looking. I did. And it took you a while. It took you weeks. It took me months. <laughs> <laughs> it took me months, Peter. And uh, I found in the end that... You're one of the few Americans I've ever researched who doesn't have Irish ancestry. (laughs) I told you, (laughs) but you found out some pretty fascinating stuff. Oh, we could talk for hours on your family tree, Peter. You are genealogically blessed. Uh, On your father's side, uh, they they come from, fundamentally, it's it's Russia. Um, I managed to get back to two of your great-great-grandparents, a Samuel Taubin and a Dora Lubinsky. But I, and both of those are actually, well, they're described as from Russia, but in fact, when you look at the map and you translate it into I modern geography... I always thought it was Germany. It was Latvia. Ah, okay. It's Latvia. Um, so you've got a mixture of Russian and Latvian on your father's side. And I suspect there's probably more research to be done there, but that's going to take specialists in Eastern <laughs> Europe, and that's outside of my sphere. Hey, listen, you opened my eyes to a lot of stuff on this. Well, by, by the way, this is all done through Epic, you know, and, and all the work that they do. Irish Family History Center. Exactly. And it's amazing stuff that they do. I mean, what you learn in the process gives you a whole newfound appreciation for, you know, history and genealogy. Oh, yes, yes. I mean, the Irish Family History Centre were, were, were a, great, uh, a great company to work for, and it allowed me to have essentially the privilege of uncovering people's heritage for them. Um, very often we had to have a, a little, little box of tissues uh, on the desk because people get very emotional, particularly uh, on those wonderful occasions when doing research in front of them. They were sitting in front of me or beside me. And after an hour or two hours, I'd be able to show them the house, now in ruins, where their family emigrated from. And that was a very, very special moment. Uh, There were many like that. It was a privileged job. And in my case, I mean, the revelations to me were how deep you guys went. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I say, on the, on the Russian and Latvian side, I couldn't go a huge distance, but on your mother's side, there's, it's an unusual one because it's a Yiddish-Presbyterian marriage at your grandparents' There you go, levels. that's conflict. And that's something we just don't see on this side of the Atlantic. But following that Presbyterian line on your mother's side, there was some extraordinary stuff turning up. You are connected, for example, um, you're connected to a guy called Elias Root Beadle, who actually has your only 
Irish connection because, like yourself, Peter, he was a great traveller. He was a Presbyterian minister. Uh, he had two Irish servants who we treated well, but he also actually landed in Queenstown, modern-day Cove, the year before he passed away, uh, so which is... Uh, a, a, Queenstown a, a, where? This is in County Cork. Ah, County in Cork, Ireland. Okay. In Ireland. So those are your two Irish connections that I managed to dig up. But from a, from a, I'm a geologist now. So I'm at the National Museum of Ireland. I'm the curator of geology. But I was very, very excited to find with Elias Root Beadle, he was a mineral collector and he deposited five tonnes of material to the Yale Museum upon his death. I was delighted to find that. <laughs> but going back even further, particularly on the Beadle line, we get connections with the Salem Witch Trials. We find that you are multiple times a son of the American Revolution. We have found that... On several different lines, we have traced your lines back from New England back to England. So when the first families of the Beadles and also those Jenisons came across to America in the 1630s and, uh, and 1650s, which was, which was fantastic to find. And your family are mentioned in the Salem Witch Trials themselves. As we should. As you would be. <laughs> so far, you've associated me with the Salem Witch Trials, hangings, and... Uh... <laughs> Irish emigration. And, and, uh, English emigration, Peter. You were in England. Ah. No, the, the Irish connection is, is only with Elias Root Beadle. Sorry. But uh, we do have some uh, even more extraordinary stuff going from uh, your Presbyterian side because you have a, you have a great, great, great grandparent, John Waller. And tracing him back was fascinating. I can trace him back. I have a piece of paper. I've made a mess of your desk here, Peter. I can trace him back to your 21 times great-grandparent, <laughs> Allured de Valeur. I'll take that name. I like that. You like that? Yeah. And he was a knight from Normandy who came across uh, with William the Conqueror uh, in the Battle of Hastings in 1066. Now, when you say you trace my line back, I mean, how, I mean I'm mean, i rather removed from these guys. Ah, you're slightly removed. But, you know, it's, it's nonetheless, there's tiny bits of them in you now. They are your ancestors. And with Alured... So I'm a knight. You're a knight, but it gets better. It gets better, because <laughs> every time I come and talk to you, I find a little bit more... And with Allured, he was from Normandy. The Normans, in, which is in North France, the Normans were originally the Norsemen, so they were Vikings. So research then going from genealogy to etymology, I deduced that de Valeur could be a Viking first name. I found it can be. And it's Valer, which means falcon. It also means the slain, as in murdered on a battlefield. Oh. But you are, of course, Peter. Are we, are we Peter going the to the dark side now? Here We're we? going to the light side. Oh, because, okay. Because if we trace this back further and look at the further etymology of Valer, you're connected then with the slain, birds, and Valhalla. So, because it's Valer Halla, the hall of the slain. So, in many years to come, when you pass away, you might just hear the distant call of your Viking ancestors calling you to the majestic halls of Valhalla. 
Wow, you know what? I, I love how you made that connection. I have no idea how that's going to happen, but <laughs> amazing stuff. And by the way, some of this you're going to see on our special called Hidden Ireland, which is premiering in just a few days on PBS, Amazon, and Apple TV. It's part of our Hidden series that you'll see on PBS. We've done Hidden Turkey and Hidden Poland, now uh, Hidden Saudi Arabia, followed by what's coming up in just a few days, Hidden Ireland. And following that, Hidden Aegean. But it was only in Ireland that I got a chance to stop, take my breath, meet Patrick, and get surprised about the history of my family on so many levels. And you're... I can tell you as well that um, the inventor, you've heard of the dime novel. Yes. Your family invented the dime novel. So there's the writing part. Here we go. Okay. So Erasmus Flavel Beadle invented Beadle's dime novels. um, And Erasmus Flavel Beadle, he is your first cousin four times removed. So he is a descendant of Benjamin Beadle, uh, who was a coffin maker and fought in the uh, American Revolutionary War and in the Indian Wars. So he was busy as a coffin so maker. So he was very busy as yeah. a coffin maker. He, he, by the way, he fathered 16 children from three wives, at least 16 that I could trace. Hello, dear, just step into this coffin and <laughs> yes. nothing will happen. Yes. <laughs> and one of his, or technically two, but at least one of Benjamin's grandchildren... Uh, invented the dime novel, and he became a millionaire as a result. In a so, day when a millionaire meant something. In a day when a millionaire meant a hell of a lot, yes. That's a lot of dimes. That's a hell of a lot of dimes. Wow. Yeah. I mean, when you do this kind of genealogical research, I mean, you're surprising people all the time. Yes. You're enlightening them. You're basically inspiring additional curiosity because, you know, just telling me this now, you've told me I'm part Viking. You are. I'm a knight. Yes. All right. I'm, uh, I'm going to go to the Valhalla. It's quite likely. <laughs> yeah, I'll end up at a Valhalla in Brooklyn. <laughs> but the bottom line is, this is fascinating stuff, and you can do that here in Ireland. Yes, we can do that here in Ireland. We have the resources. Again, with my, with my former employers, the Irish Family History Centre, they can research... They can research Irish genealogy. That's what they're expert in. That's what I was expert in. But the principles of genealogy are general, so you can apply it to anybody. And we had researched people who had no Irish connections. They just came to the centre and wanted to know their, their history and their heritage. My thanks to Patrick. Not long ago, I took to the skies for the Hidden Ireland shoot with Aer Lingus pilot Shea Party. He normally flies an Airbus A320, but for our flight, we climbed into a small MX-7 for some very low passes over the Irish countryside, along with some great airborne storytelling. When we were here filming it, I bumped into uh, a guy who's now a good friend of mine, who is a pilot for Aer Lingus, but when he's not flying the A320, he's actually flying everything else. And uh, he was kind enough to put me in the right seat of a... A mole, an MX-7, built in Georgia. Right. A, a small acrobatic plane, if you will. Yeah, utility, I suppose, more for pleasure trips and photography. What's great about that flight that we did is you were able to literally tell me the history of the country at about 800 feet. Yeah, we had a great day. We were lucky with the weather as well. We started out of a colleague in Erlingus, Pat Murphy's Trim Airfield, and the whole County Meath has magnificent history, going back all centred, I suppose, along the Boyne, the River Boyne. And of course, you mentioned Trim Airfield. That's not too far from Trim Castle. No, not too far from Trim Castle. Uh, I mean, when you think about how many castles there are in Ireland and how many are actually intact... 
Yes. Trim is pretty good. Trim is very good, Jan. And as you say, a lot from even my hometown of Burr, Castle Telescope, etc. But our, our trip, I suppose, starting out, we went up to Athboy, where Halloween started many, many moons ago. Yeah, who knew? I know. Who knew? Who knew? And uh, as I said on, on the hill... They basically extinguished all other fires and it was the first fire to, to be lit at the start of Halloween to signal good times ahead. Of course, in those days they needed good times ahead. They did. And then we circled back and we came down towards, as, as you mentioned, Trim Castle. Took 30 years to build. and Think about that. Yeah, 30 years 30 to years. build. And people forget that. Yeah. And, and they built it strong because it's still there. It's still there. And still, as you say, yeah, it's, it's basically a prominent structure in low-lying countryside. And uh, we made our way down further east then along the river, down to passing Newgrange, I suppose, which is the highlight for most of us Irish people. Such a historic, older than the pyramids. Explain. Basically built 500 years before the pyramids. It's over 5,000 years old. And what's amazing about it, you know, the chamber of light that they uh, allow the winter solstice sunrise to enter. Basically, over the 5,000 years, the Earth's rotation has altered by four degrees. So it's probably the best time keep, or time keeper, better bet Patek Philippe or Breitling or anything else that's been made since. <laughs> well, one of the things I noticed, uh, your, your protocol on that plane was different than your protocol is on an A320. On an A320, you fly IFR. Yes. Instrument flight rules. Yes. On your plane that I was in, you follow a different IFR. It's called I Follow the River. Visual following river, VFO. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. So we were very lucky with the day, as you said, clear skies, blue, and, and you, I suppose you saw how green the country is. And the number of uh, fairy forts, remember we re- remarked on those? Yeah. That um, it's only when you start to look, you are, it is amazing. Yeah, amazing. If you're ever confused about the term Emerald Isle, just get in Shay's plane, get up about 800 feet, you won't have any confusion. There's no confusion, yeah. We're, we get a lot of rainfall, but it does give us a beautiful country. We're very fortunate. When you fly over Trimcastle, when you fly over those areas, what's the biggest surprise for you? Uh, I suppose what man achieved before technology, if you think back, you know, what they had to build with. If you go back to Newgrange, go back to Trimcastle, you know, they're built a long, long time ago and what man managed to achieve, you know, to have something in Ireland that was built before the pyramids, I think is just incredible. Well, that it was built, but that it persevered. True, but also there was a, le- a high level of engineering, if you think about what they managed to achieve. You know, you know when we, we take so much for granted, when we talk about the engineering in that time period, it's like you, you have trouble even understanding that, that it existed, let alone that they actually did a good job. Yeah, and I suppose if you go back to Armstrong and the moon... You know, what they did is possibly comparable as well. Yeah. You know, in terms of what was available to them, etc. Perseverance, what they wanted, and whoever had the vision of what this was to be. I remember going to a museum in Montreal where they had found da Vinci's original notebooks and drawings. And then they built what he had in his books. They followed his instructions, even stuff he'd never built. Wow. And they realized he actually invented the helicopter but didn't know it. I mean, he invented architectural designs and structures that are still being in use today, but didn't quite understand why. But he did it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's amazing. It is amazing. Incredible. Incredible. And then you see that in the air over Ireland. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose the routing we took as well, if you go back, it's all centred along the Boyne. And you mean the river? The river Boyne, yeah. sorry, yeah. And the um, down to Slane Castle, onto Old Bridge, you know, 
amazing, amazing structures. And they lived well. You can tell from the quality of the agricultural land, it was a wealthy and is a wealthy county. My thanks to Shea. So what's the number one tourist attraction in Ireland? And some would say it's the Cliffs of Moher. Or as I often describe it, the tour buses of Moher. But there's a different way to see the cliffs, and Eugene Garrahy took me there. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Graduation is a sweet occasion, but finding the perfect gift can be a bitter struggle. MMS.com has a solution. Personalized M&Ms. Just imagine the look on your grad's face when they receive a custom candy creation featuring their school's colors, name, and even their photo printed right on some M&Ms. It's a thoughtful way to celebrate their accomplishments and make the occasion even more special. Visit MMS.com to create your own personalized gifts and party favors for graduations, weddings, birthdays, and more. That's MMS.com. Use code WONDERY to receive 15% off your next order. Eugene Gary, how are you, sir? Very good, Peter, and you're very, very welcome back. And to Dublin this time, I met you in the west of Ireland the last time. It's great to have you in Dublin. Well, you know, when we talk about the west of Ireland, you know, one of the iconic tourist destinations has to be the Cliffs of Moher. I mean, the day, I mean, and when I say iconic and then everybody shows up, I mean everybody shows up. You don't go visit Ireland, at least for the first time, without going there. On the day that I was there, I think I counted 78 buses. I mean, everybody was crowded in. But you and I were lucky. Uh, you know, we, we call the show Hidden Ireland. You and I were lucky because we saw the Cliffs of Moher from a different perspective. We saw it from sea level. Yes, we did, Peter, yeah. And I think, you know, people have been visiting the Cliffs of Moher for a couple of centuries now. And about 25 years ago, my brother developed Cliffs of Moher cruises where you can see the Cliffs of Moher from the bottom. And as I think I mentioned this to you before, if you want to see the sea, you go to the top of the cliffs and look out at sea. If you want to see the cliffs of Moher, you go to sea and look at them from the boats. And what was amazing to me that day, you and I standing on the bow of, of one of your boats, we got up close and personal to those cliffs. And when you're down there looking up, it's, it's a completely different perspective. And you get to see the erosion the geological shifting of the of the of the of the coast, uh, all the all what the sea has done down there, what the wind has done, and of course it's the birds. Yeah, it's uh, it's the biggest land-based uh, bird sanctuary in Ireland. I mean, there are bigger sanctuaries, but they're out on islands. This is on the mainland, and it has forty thousand breeding birds there. It's an amazing sight to see. In particular, if you can see it in April and May, when the birds have just had their young and they're out there feeding and they're diving for sand eels and they're flying with maybe 10 sand eels, the puffin, with about a small little bird, but can take up to 10 sand eels on its mouth. And you should see that taken off from the water, flying up to maybe six or 700 feet onto a ledge or into the grass on the cliffs with their 10 little, <laughs> uh, uh, 10 little fish on its mouth to feed its young. It really does kind of ask the questions, what the hell do we know? 
And what do we know? What do we well, we know for sure that we need to protect um, we need to protect nature because we can learn a lot from it. The basics in life are all there at the Cliffs of Moher. To view them in full sight, particularly in April, May when they're busy, it's a beautiful sight. And what do we know? I mean, you look at the erosion there. The cliffs are seven hundred feet high. That hasn't happened yesterday or today or, uh, or since we arrived. That has happened over millions of years, and as a result, it has created this absolute beautiful mystery and miracle of nature where it's now a UNESCO geopark and it has been recognized as one of the most beautiful places in the world. And of course, when you're down there looking up, you're seeing the whole cycle of life. You are. And I think we discussed this briefly when we were down there. You do see the cycle of life. I mean, you see young brides and their grooms uh, taking photographs of their wedding day at the top. And then uh, one or two or three of my nephews work for the Coast Guard there. And, um, you know, sometimes they're just on uh, uh, search and rescue and usually just not rescuing, p- picking up the results of somebody just deciding to, to end their life. life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you see the full cycle of life there. And the time of day is key. It is. Well, you know, if you want to see the cliffs uh, and to view them from this perspective, the afternoon is a particularly good time when the sun is low in the in in the in the sky, or in the morning, early we, in the morning, we, early uh, morning, early in the morning, early in the morning, as we did, when the sun is just coming up behind the cliffs, and you have a beautiful view into the cliffs, and the activity there is just—it's mind-boggling. You know, my philosophy of traveling and visiting iconic sites <clears throat> is this: take a nap between 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Okay, you won't miss anything. Right, whether it's at the pyramids or the Great Wall of China or you know the Taj Mahal, I mean, ser- seriously, why would anybody want to go visit something at noon? Don't do it. I know, and that's where the word posh came from. You know that, Peter. It was down the down when the people were viewing the pyramids from the Nile. You know, uh, people with money uh, used to go on the on the on the on the the side of the boat that the sun didn't shine on in the morning, and on the side of the boat where the sun didn't shine coming back in the right. afternoon. Posh meant port posh out, meant starboard port, home. Port out, starboard home. So it's exactly what you're saying. Don't be there in the middle of the day. <laughs> <laughs> but now here we are in Dublin. And you're doing Dublin Bay now. At Dublin Bay Cruises, we started, this is our 10th year, we're celebrating 10, 10 years. So when people come to Dublin, they know of the museums, they know of the Guinness Storehouse, the Jemison Distilleries. The and, what storehouse? <laughs> the, yeah, right, never heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, people visit that, it's iconic, you know. But more and more people are beginning to appreciate, they're trying to bring a, a bit of balance into their carbon footprint. When they do take flights, etc., take ship. Um, but, you know, let me stop for one second, because... I remember when the Dublin waterfront was ignored. Yeah. Nobody wanted to go anywhere near the Dublin waterfront. Yeah. Right? And now yeah. it's, 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 it's a beautiful place with beautiful buildings, restored buildings. There's activity there. And then there's the bay. There is. And we take people from the city centre out onto the bay, south to the beautiful towns of Dunleary and, um, and Dawkey, and north to the beautiful fishing village of Hoth. And along the way, I mean, we're also lucky that UNESCO designated Dublin Bay as a biosphere where humans and industry and wildlife live in harmony. And what we do with our live guides on board to our passengers, we explain the benefits of protecting the environment. And we have to protect that status that is a UNESCO biosphere. 
And now what's in the biosphere? We know about all the birds in the cliffs of Moher, but what about there? In the yeah, bay? believe it or not, we have a huge, huge amount of birds in Dublin Bay. And of course, we have two beautiful islands off the bay. We have Dawkey Island and uh, Ireland's Eye. And they are two bird sanctuaries. And of course, Peter, along the way, not alone do you see uh, the birds and wildlife and, 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 and um, mammals, like dolphins and stuff in Dublin Bay. But also you see the Great Bull Wall that was designed by Captain Bly of Bounty fame to keep the river deep so the surge of uh, water would keep the channel deep. Before that, there was a lot of sandbanks in Dublin and entry to Dublin was hazardous. But Captain Bly designed an art bull wall to wash out the river and uh, to keep the channel deep. See, my Captain Bly, I do a great Captain Bly routine. Would you like to hear it? <laughs> I would, of course, Peter, yeah. Keelhaul that man, but he's dead, sir. Keelhaul him anyway. <laughs> I mean... I mean for those people who remember Mutiny on the Bounty. Yeah, Mutiny on the and Bounty. And Fletcher yeah. Christian, of course. Of course, yes. So, and I mean, there's some magnificent... We get tours, particularly to view the lighthouses. Poolbeg Lighthouse, uh, Bailey Lighthouse, yeah, there's, Lighthouse. There's something to be said. I'm a huge lighthouse fan. I live on an island with a lighthouse, so I, I'm a huge... And that lighthouse was built in 1858. But you've got lighthouses here that, that take the case. Going back to the 70s. Yeah, of course. And the build... I mean, they're in the most hazardous... Places. Yeah, here's the part I can't understand. I mean, I'm a captain, you're a captain. I understand they're there now. But what was the engineering and the physics involved in getting them built in the first place? Because the sea in these locations is, well, well without a doubt, unforgiving. Unforgiving. You can see in the west coast of Ireland, the west coast of France, if you want to look at like lighthouses. The oh, yeah, unbelievable. They're in the most hazardous, where you get waves on the Atlantic 15 metres high, crushing on with gale force winds, and they are steadfast. They are, they're as good today as the day they were built. It's a, incredible, as you say, engineering. I know, and you're seeing the force of those waves crashing against the lighthouse yeah. with nothing and in between. And you just remember, the, uh, they're, they're automated now, but there, wa there were lighthouse keepers living in those conditions. You Although know? there are certain lighthouses now where you can actually still stay. They are around the coast of Ireland. I think there's about, I think they have about 10 of them brought up and into living conditions, and uh, you can rent them around the coast of Ireland, which is an amazing, amazing place to stay. Of I'm course, sure. you can rent them, and you have a, a room with a view, but one caution is the view you're going to get is the wave coming at you. <laughs> well, yes, or maybe if you're lucky, you can have nice weather, and it's, a, you know, but uh, certainly I would love to stay in bad weather in one of those lighthouses. Me you too. Know? I, would, I would, but I haven't, yes. No, the I'll, be, I'll be right there with you. But as you say at the start, Peter, Dublin like a, a, um, a city built on the Liffey and on the bay and very, very unique to have UNESCO biosphere status. So people, as I say, when they try to bring a bit of carbon footprint balance into their lives, they want to learn how to protect the environment and we do that on board. And the good news is, you know, when you take a look at the entire size of Dublin Bay, it's not that, it's only about 10 kilometers, right? It is, yes, yeah. Uh, to the, and of course... I mean, you have a beautiful vista out there because you have the mountains in the background uh, as you look in, and you have beautiful islands off Dublin, off Dublin City. And you can go from the city every day and visit to the south, Dunleary, or to the North Holt. I love it. My thanks to Eugene. So what are some of the stereotypes of Ireland? Potatoes and otherwise bad food, and then there's the drunken Irishman. Roscoe O'Callaghan dug deeper into the history and the myths of the Irish paddy with a fascinating exhibit in New York, telling the true stories of Irish men. Roscoe, welcome. Thank you very much, Peter. Thanks. Good to be with you. I mean, 
What does Paddy mean? Well, Paddy is is obviously a, a shortened abbreviation of the name Patrick or Pat or Porrick. Um, um, but there's many Paddies and there's many Irishmen that go by Paddy. Unfortunately, over the years, Paddy has been a, a, a stereotype of, of Irish Of a guy drunk. Yes, of an Irish drunk. It's funny, like... It, if even you say Paddy in the bar, it's almost a, an, it's almost just redundant. Exactly, yeah, yeah. But it's, and and that's, that's it. And, you know, in, in England today, you can have a Paddy, and that's a tantrum. Do you know, people say, did he have a Paddy? And it's a tantrum. <laughs> you, we all know well that the, the, the bus that brings you to the jails and the prisons is called the paddy wagon. And that's the same kind of in a lot of countries around the world. Because in the old days, they used to arrest the drunks and throw them in jail. Exactly. And, and unfortunately, a lot of them were Irish back in those days. But, uh, you know, times have changed and things have changed. And, it, and this is a stereotype that's kind of followed Irish men around the world uh, for many generations. So what I tried to, and what I'm attempted to do here was uh, I'm trying to tell the real life stories of paddies who are Irish, uh, who are all different ages, shapes and sizes, um, from different backgrounds and have had different lives, and to try and challenge that stereotype that there is no such thing as a stereotypical paddy. So this is an exhibit opening up in just a couple of days in New York of 50 separate Irish men who just happen to share one thing in common, their name is Paddy. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Um, and it's it's opening up in a few different kind of areas around New York. On the 14th, it'll be in Loom Studios um, in Tribeca. And it'll be, it's it's it kind of done in a projection mapping type way. So it's a very different way to see these paddies, but also to tell, you know, hear their stories. Um, and then it moves to Pershing Square in the shadow of Grand Central Station. And hopefully there'll be 24 of our paddies there on big boards outdoors for the, an eight-week exhibition there. Um, very exciting. I think I'm the first Irish artist to ever be asked to, to uh, exhibit uh, in Pershing Square. Um, and then they'll move to the New York Irish Centre for the, the, signing, the anniversary of the signing of the Good Friday Agreement, the 25-year anniversary, where all 50 paddies will be there in a classic exhibition type. In doing the research for this project, who did you meet? Which paddies really stu- you know, stood out? Well, all the paddies stand out for different reasons because every paddy has a story. Every, every man in Ireland has a story. Um, it, the funny thing was we launched this uh, two years ago um, with the hope of doing it in 12 months. And, you know, one of the, the, the positives of this pandemic that we had was that I had to cancel it and it gave me an extra year. Because, to be honest, if I had... It bought ten, you some time. Exactly. If I had 10 years, like, I'm still, I'm still meeting paddies all the time. But, look, there's great stories. We've got, we've got you know, paddies who have... Um, uh, fought for Ireland in Paddy Barnes. He's a t- he's a two-time Olympic medal champion. Um, he's a boxer from Belfast. Fought in some people will know the Holy Family Boxing Club, the famous boxing club in Belfast, where sectarianism was left at the door, and Protestants and Catholics both fought in the same in the same club. So it you know every Paddy will tell a, a certain history of Ireland, and and when you meet these Paddies and you you, you read up about them, it, it all all of the images come with a small bio. You know, and and it'll just give you a little taste of them. And if you want to dig deeper into those paddies, then feel free. And do they share anything in common? Other than the fact that they're Irish, of course. Well, they share the name, don't they? They, Like, they all share the name Paddy. And, you know, what's interesting and what's kind of came from this, you know, since since, since I've started and I didn't think we'd get from it, just by using that name Paddy, we're actually telling a wonderful story of Irish men not just called Paddy, Irish men in general, and where we were as a country, where we are now, and hopefully where we're going in the future. Considering they all share the same name, Paddy, did they all have the same problem growing up 
with that name? You know the biggest the biggest thing growing up, and what's funny, uh, a lot of um, people, uh, the parents, Paddy. None of the parents would like their sons to be called Paddy. They always wanted them to be called Patrick or Porrick, um, because obviously of the the, the the slur on 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 the name. Um, so be, the, a lot of the Paddies would be would be saying, you know, their friends would call to the door and they go, "How are you, Mrs. O'Brien? Is Paddy coming out to play?" And she'd go, no, Michael, Porrick is not coming out to play. So the, <laughs> the parents always had the thing, but a lot of them have changed. Porrick Harrington, the golfer, three-time major champion, he's, you know, won numerous events across the world and a very famous and, you know, proud Irishman. He, he went by Porrick Harrington a lot of the time, and he, he, his story was that when his father, who was a paddy, um, when he passed away, he kind of, you know, he didn't mind the name after that. But he didn't, he, he didn't go by it until his father had passed because he was always... Paddy, his dad, and Porrick was the son. But now he's known on the tour as Paddy Harrington. What's the lesson, if there is a lesson, that you learned after doing these 50 portraits? Um, the lesson I've learned, uh, you know, that, you know, there's, there's no... You, you can't turn around at any stage uh, and stereotype any name or anything like that, you know? My, what I've learned about it is you know, there's so many interesting stories out there. You know, and look, I'm not going to I'm not going to break this stereotype. I know that with, with with my art project, but what I am going to do is I'm going to challenge it. And if you ever had in the back of your mind, you know, if you didn't realise what a real life paddy was, if you come and see it or have a look at these paddies, you'll see these wonderful stories of these proud Irishmen. I love it. A real life paddy. They're all real life paddies. Was there a surprising paddy for you of all of them? Um, the there wasn't a surprising Paddy. Like, they all surprised me in their own ways, do you know? Like, you know, the, the stories, the Paddies that, that you know, you, Paddy Hill, who, you know, spent 16 and a half years in a prison, you know, um, for crimes that he didn't commit, you know, these are Paddies that surprise me that they're they're back out now and they're talking about it, you know, and, and you know, they, they all surprise me, Peter, to be honest with you. Like, you know, I can't tell you how grateful I am that they shared these stories with me, that they took the time to let me take their, their images and their portraits. I hope I've done them proud um, because by them coming to me and telling their stories, you know, I think they're helping us actually challenge this stereotype. And we are talking about stereotypes because within blocks of where you're doing the exhibit, there's, I'm sure, a Blarney Stone Bar yeah. uh, in New York. I grew up with all those bars around me in Manhattan. Sure. And of course, by four o'clock in the afternoon on any weekday, Everybody was in there drinking. They didn't wait for St. Patrick's Day. That was all year round. Yeah. Well, look, it's it's no secret that the you know Irish people enjoy a drink. They absolutely do. I'm shocked. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But the, you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, all the all the Irish people that enjoy a drink aren't all called Paddy. Do you know what I mean? And you know, from my own travels around the world, you know, as a cameraman, I've been related to as a Paddy on numerous occasions, and not just in bars, in work. Do you know? So the situation, you know. Look, Irish people are perceived very well across the world. I've travelled. I know very well. You know, we are we are a good nation of travellers and we are known as a bit of crack and, you know, good fun and all that stuff. But, you know, I think on a serious note, uh, I think the, the stereotype does have to be challenged. And what better way than with real-life Paddies telling their real-life stories? So I have one remaining question for you, and that is, I, I lied, I have more than one. But one of the ones I have remaining for you is, when you do the exhibit in New York... Can you go back to a you know a, a classic car place and find an original paddy wagon? 
I would say there's still paddy wagons knocking around New York. Yeah, I probably will. Yeah, I'll go looking anyway. I'll let you know. From the 1930s and 1940s? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that would be the photo exhibit. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm sure there is. Um, you know, there's a lot of people obviously keep classic cars and all that. And I'm sure we'll try and try and get one. And of course, if you look at the heritage of the New York City Police Department, mm. so heavily Irish. Yeah. Right? Mm. How many paddies in the New York City Police Department? Yeah, and fire department, you know. Yeah. And that's the thing, that's the great thing. And, and my dream was always to, to exhibit in New York. Not only, like, what other city in the world celebrates St. Patrick's Day and its Irishness as much as New York. Um, so I always wanted to, to, to exhibit. And, it, 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 look, it was a big dream of mine, you know, and I didn't know how, actually, the, the, the exhibition, it, like, it has grown legs from a, from a small little photographic project. It's kind of blown up. But the, the, the reality of it is is that um, there's so many Irish people over in, in uh, New York, and I'm, I'm really excited for them to come and see this. And looking at the photographs, I mean, you've got them in their, in their life. You've got them doing what they're doing. Yeah, well, I've tried to capture them. Like, I, what I love about photography is I love people standing there looking at a photograph and trying to figure out what's going on. You know, obviously I'm not good enough, and I don't think many people are, to take a, a you know, a picture that paints a thousand words so the little bios will help but sometimes like it's interesting because when I go and show people some of the images I try and get them to kind of imagine what is the story behind this paddy and some of them they get pretty quickly but an awful lot of them they don't and they're very surprised and that's the kind of interesting thing behind it like I just you know on, on the last note you know I'm still going with this yesterday only yesterday I found a new paddy and he's actually our youngest paddy in the exhibition and paddy um is six months old. He's in a, a, a Ukrainian ref, refuge here in in, in Ireland, um, and his mother came over from the refuge in Ukraine, or uh, as in refuge from the Ukrainian war, and she was nine months pregnant. She had a baby, and as a thank you to the Irish people, she called him Patrick. My thanks to Roscoe, to Eugene Gary, to Say Party, and to Patrick Roycroft, and my thanks to you for listening to this special St. Patrick's edition of the Eye on Travel podcast. For more conversations with the world's leaders in travel, as well as answers to your travel questions, be sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. And for all the breaking travel news, you don't need the luck of the Irish. Just log on to petergreenberg.com. The Ion Travel Podcast is produced by Amanda Morris and Anthony Protis-Chung. For more content from Peter Greenberg and the Ion Travel team, visit petergreenberg.com. Ion Travel is a production of CBS News Radio. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. 
Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most-watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.